0: This is the Illumina Genomics Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Episode 8 of the Illumina Genomics Podcast. I'm Paul Broman, and I'm a scientific liaison here at Illumina. Every podcast, I interview top scientists whose work in genomics is shaping the way we think about science and our world. In 2016, the United States launched the $215 million Precision Medicine Initiative, or PMI, to accelerate progress toward precision medicine. Precision medicine is the ability to tailor treatment and prevention to the unique characteristics of each person. In the case of cancer, the ability to understand the genetic makeup of tumors has contributed greatly to progress in precision medicine. Today, I'm at the McDonnell Genome Institute at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm here with Drs. Obi and Malachi Griffith, professors of medicine at WashU. Obi and Malachi are twin scientists and operate a combined research group where they develop applied bioinformatics methods for precision medicine and cancer. In addition to their research interests, they are passionate about teaching and have made substantial contributions to bioinformatics training and education. They began our interview by discussing the kinds of work they do in cancer genomics.
1: Yeah, so it's a lot of data analysis. Um, Most of the data is derived from some kind of molecular profiling of tumor samples of quite a wide variety of types, most of them human, but some of them mouse models some dog, some cat, so on, but mostly human. A lot of breast cancer and blood cancers and head and neck cancers, but also kind of a long tail of projects involving other things. Um, Almost all of the data is from the Illumina platform. Um, A lot of it is whole genome, exome, or RNA sequencing. Again, a longer tail of projects that involve some of the other many other assays.
0: Are you doing the sequencing in-house? or these public data sets that you're accessing. Yeah, most
1: of the sequencing is data that or most of the sequencing is done here and most of these projects involve new data that was generated on samples, a lot of them from clinical uh, oncology collaborators at WashU, but often also involving public data sets and there are a few projects that are sort of larger sort of pan cancer style analyses where it's a, a lot of public data, but the majority of the projects are collaborations with a surgeon or an oncologist or an immunologist at the Washington Medical School somewhere.
0: Obviously, we have a gigantic medical campus here. Is that a benefit to the kind of work you're doing, having access to so many clinical samples?
1: It's absolutely a huge benefit. So it was one of the things that I think both of us looked for when we were sort of looking around and thinking about where to go after postdocs and actually where to go during postdocs as well was places where you have the confluence of data production and expertise and how to run the assays, work on the latest, greatest novel assays, and handle the data that comes off. And then the sort of informatics core, sort of an ecosystem of informatics excellence, where you're going to be able to develop novel methods to analyze and interpret that data. But then also the close collaboration with the clinicians so that you're close to the people really thinking about the medical problem.
0: In addition to jointly operating a state-of-the-art genomics and bioinformatics lab, Obi and Malachi are twin brothers. They described how they ended up in the same place doing the same kind of research.
1: Obviously we've always been very close as twins. We have very similar interests. We had very similar interests in high school and we went to the same undergraduate university and kind of went through the same process of discovering what we wanted to do in terms of a career, and I ended up going out to Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada, um, and working at the Genome Science Center there. And I kind of told Malachi about it. Well, first he told me about this thing called bioinformatics, and I learned about someone in Vancouver that was doing this thing called bioinformatics. So I went and met with that person, and that's how I got the job, and then eventually ended up doing grad school with this guy, Steve Jones, in Vancouver. And then I was sharing my experience with him and telling him about this Genomes Science Center and this genomics thing and how it was really expanding and it was a really exciting time to be involved in that. And so another investigator there recruited Malachi to, to join first also as an employee and then as a graduate student.
0: Was the original plan that you would both share the same lab?
1: My original plan was to try and convince Malachi to join in, in Berkeley where I was working with Joe Gray, but then... Joe moved his lab to Oregon, and so Malachi came here instead, and then he convinced me I should come to this genome center, and then, yeah, that's how how we ended up again in the same place,
0: doing the same kind of research. Formal bioinformatics training didn't exist when Obi and Malachi were in school, and they did a lot of self-learning. So they're sensitive to the difficulties in learning bioinformatics skills. They currently help organize the Advanced Sequencing Technologies and Applications course held at the Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory.
1: So we're part of um, a course at Cold Spring Harbor that has been a long-running course. And myself and Malachi and Aaron Quinlan um, lead the bioinformatics part of it. So it's kind of a unique course where it's a two-week course, very intensive. The students basically are there from like 8 in the morning until 10 at night consuming knowledge and they start out in the lab doing some alumina runs and playing with some other instruments and then they transition to the dry lab for I would say probably three quarters of the course now that's actually grown over the years and become a bigger part of what the students are interested in as I think the data production has become a little bit more standardized um, and that becomes more of the bottleneck and so we help organize that.
0: Next generation sequencing or NGS has dramatically increased the amount of DNA and RNA sequencing data that can be generated by researchers. That's been enormously beneficial for science, but according to Malachi, some researchers get stuck when trying to analyze all this data.
1: If you just look around here and many of the other places we've been, there seems to remain a pretty strong data analysis and bioinformatics bottleneck in many research efforts that involve genomics data. So there's a lot of data being generated and that there seems to be quite a few people that are getting stuck on the, finding someone to help them analyze it. And so the, that's sort of the need that these courses, these short courses try to address is where a lab has already got some data and they've realized that what was delivered to them by the service didn't get them all the way to where they needed to be. And so they need someone to pick up the ball And they would like that someone to be someone in their lab, and so they send their postdoc or their Ph.D. student or their staff to these courses and give them a crash course to kind of get the ball rolling.
0: Obi and Malachi agreed that knowledge about genomics, or genomics literacy, is broadly important in society. They suggest that high school would be a good place to start formal genomics education.
1: It seems sensible to start in high school, but I don't know what the state of the formal education in high school is like. Is there genetics in their biology textbooks, I'm sure, but I don't know how up-to-date it is. I do hear that a lot more high school students are learning programming, that's for sure, and being from the bioinformatics side, that's been an amazing development where we have really bright high school students that like clearly know what they're doing and have heard about genomics and want to get involved in some way. But it does seem like there's a general, general value to increased understanding and appreciation just in the public at large for genetics and genomics because of its increasing role in medical decision-making and how that, so that influences the, the patient-doctor relationship.
0: Obi and Malachi also discussed another educational project they're involved in called CIVIC. CIVIC stands for Clinical Interpretations of Variants in Cancer, but it's not a medical tool. Rather, it's a community-edited forum for discussing peer-reviewed publications pertaining to the clinical relevance of sequence variants in cancer. With Civic, they hope to increase the capacity for citizen science.
1: So one of our the projects that we're most excited about is, is kind of in this vein, it's called Civic, and it's a knowledge base where um, we try to harness expert crowdsourcing, so to get people to come and contribute their knowledge who've read papers or have understanding in the field about precision medicine and about how certain genetic alterations might be predictive of certain um, clinical actions or clinical interpretations. And we've really tried to build this ecosystem that is pointed not just at like, genome scientists like us, but also clinicians and even patient advocates. So I do think there's a capacity for sort of citizen science or patient advocacy that is maybe a little bit untapped. And we're trying to kind of connect with, with those people through some of these web interfaces or knowledge bases, kind of like a Wikipedia-style approach of, of trying to get not exactly public contribution because there is a certain bar of knowledge needed, but definitely more interaction with all the different spheres of, of people involved.
0: Obi and Malachi believe that genomics will eventually impact the doctor-patient relationship, and Obi discussed the genomic literacy of the clinical community.
1: There are a lot of clinicians here that are embracing it and really have a very high level of understanding that you won't find, like, community practice or maybe some other even smaller university hospital systems. In general, I don't know. I think it's mixed. I think they're, especially the younger generation, it's completely assumed that this is going to be, I think, a part of medicine for them. But in the older generation, I think it's mixed. There's some people that are still concerned about the dangers of people having kind of too much information. I personally am not convinced that this is really any much, anything more than a million other issues you have where people can Google and get upset about something. I mean, yes, they can misinterpret that information, but they can misinterpret all kinds of information. So I don't really see how it's that distinct.
0: It's great that many clinicians at WashU have embraced genomics, but I asked Malachi if it was possible to develop a genomics ecosystem where all clinicians can benefit. Whether they are specialists from large academic medical centers or community practitioners or everyone in between.
1: I mean, that's really what a lot of our, <laughs> our projects are about trying to enable a broader ability to interpret genomic information in a medical context. So, right. we have projects like the Drug Gene Interaction Database and Database of Curated Mutations and um, Civic that are all sort of angling towards this. Making it easier to create a concise, interpretable report for what, if any, actions should stem from genomic observations, um, and to do that in an open way so that it can be easily plugged into everyone's system. So we're really trying to like make that information easily available so that it can reach a broader audience. Um, but it's a big challenge. The analysis and the interpretation is a major bottleneck, and that is, if, if anything, was the central theme of the, the Griffith lab. It's trying to address various aspects of the, that analysis and interpretation bottleneck, both for researchers and for clinicians.
0: Even though Obi and Malachi run a bioinformatics lab, Obi discussed how informatics is still their biggest challenge.
1: I mean, it's kind of funny how we've talked about how, how informatics is such a bottleneck, but even in an informatics lab, we face a lot of challenges with. Finding talented informatics, people with the right skills, and then re- and retaining those people because it's a very competitive field, right? People with the kind of software development and software engineering skills that can really make important contributions to helping alleviate some of these bottlenecks. They have lots of good options because they also have the kind of skills that Twitter and Google wants for the most part. And the funding agencies like the NIH that are of course the lifeblood of research institutes and you know individual labs like us, I'd say they're still behind the times in recognizing the value of, of that kind of contribution to science. And it's quite hard to get a grant funded where you propose to do informatics. That's
0: a big challenge. I asked Obi and Malachi what excited them the most about what they see happening in genomics. For them, the impact of genomics on cancer diagnosis treatment and monitoring is exciting and promising for the future
1: hard to pick one thing <laughs> there are some I mean there are, most of the things that I'm excited about somehow come back to cancer since that is really our passion in terms of the science um, I think that the explosion of immunotherapies in the last few years is really exciting and there is like a strong immunogenomics component to that that is really just starting to come to the fore so there are These checkpoint blockade inhibition therapies and then there's personalized vaccines and both of those have a really strong informatics and genomics component to sort of understanding how they work and predicting who will respond and who won't respond and how can we make them better but also the, just the advances that don't have to do with particular genomic alterations, but with tracking disease, are also really exciting. So the idea that we can use genomic sequencing and profiling to monitor response to therapy, to monitor patients for recurrence, to maybe even diagnose cancers at an earlier stage in the first place, which I think is going to be probably one of the most challenging of those three, is also really exciting. And we're just in the early days of it, so over the next five years, we're really going to see... Where does that actually work, and how does it influence patient outcomes? I think there will be an influence, but you know, we have to prove it.
0: Finally, Obi and Malachi shared their advice for students who are interested in a career in genomics and bioinformatics. Learn some programming. You can get into this field being self-taught, but
1: you'll probably do better if you get some formal training, some computer science classes. But then you also really need to understand and have an interest in, in the biology side. Make sure the biology part of it has a strong genetics and molecular biology component, too. That will be probably pretty straightforward to find it at any good university. And There's also tons of good online learning now. We put all our teaching materials online in wikis, and there's more than you could possibly consume, actually. Um, so really, it just takes in, interest and aptitude.
0: So even though bioinformatics can be a bottleneck in genomics, the good news is that there are now formal education programs projects, and free self-learning tools to help. But that's all for now. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss any of our interviews with genomics experts. Join me next time when Dr. Petri Alvinen from the University of Helsinki will be discussing how genomics is enhancing conservation efforts for the critically endangered Saimaa ringed seal here on the Illumina Genomics Podcast.